Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 40. So we're slowly getting to the big 5-0, but uh, um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm surprised that we're still around this long, but we're, we're getting, we're getting more popular and popular, right, Taro? What? What? What do you mean you're surprised? To be, to be honest, I'm surprised you've been taken off the air for some of Sam's comments. That's mostly my surprise. Exactly. But other than exactly. that, yes, so, I think we're going I, better than but, ever. But to tell you the truth, I oh, I think it's uh, because of you, James, uh, James McKeown from No Breaking Podcast, and Taro Koki from uh, GT Channel, who uh, puts Hello. on the show, uh, and the guests who are kind of, kind of pulling me along for the ride. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative and thankful. And Taro, you are the one who brings a lot of these guests in, and I am very impressed because I mean you bring one awesome one after another, including today, who we have Chip Pankow, or is it Panko or Pankow? Panko, Panko, Panko yeah. of Global Rally CrossFit, and now the Chief Race Officer of Robo Race, which is something that just blew my mind. Um, I I can't wait to see this thing really flourish it's 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 awesome it's something like watching a futuristic sci-fi movie come to life now so um uh, for those of you who have no idea what it is uh taro and chip and james will start asking some questions and give us a good picture of what this thing is going to be so uh who, who who's going to kick it off here taro you or james i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna kick it off okay kick so i hand the mic over to taro but welcome chip it's great to have you great to be here sam thanks for uh thanks for having me Cool. So, uh, Chip, um, I think um, I met you first, probably around the time Sam met you too, um, when you did some work with uh, Mitsubishi years ago. You used to run the Jim Russell School, and Mitsubishi had that partnership. And then, yeah. of course, after that, uh, you moved on to create the Red Bull Global Rallycross, yeah. which was one of the most exciting forms of motorsports I've ever seen live. And then from that, you're you know, I, I, I find out you're doing robo race. I mean, you're the head dude at robo race. I mean, what attracted you to take on autonomous racing? What, I mean, what was, well, how did you get into this world? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, in, in, in anything I've done in, in, in motorsport, I've always tried to go out and do something a, a little bit different. Um, you know, when I started uh, Formula BMW, the idea was to, you know, create a whole new type of driver development uh, uh, series um, where the cars are equal and the difference was in the drivers. It didn't matter so much how much budget they had in anything or anything like that. Um, we did the same thing at, at, at Jim Russell and then at Audi Sports Car Experience. Um, and then, then went on and did Red Bull Global Rally across the world, hadn't really seen something like that. We really wanted to be disruptive and, and break a bunch of barriers in motorsport. Um, and uh, Robo Race seemed like the like the next big challenge. Um, you know, it, it it literally is racing without human drivers, mm -hmm. and it really seemed to uh, it really seemed to uh, to be a massive a massive challenge and something I wanted to be involved in. Uh, so that's uh, that's how I jumped in. Yeah, this is really really exciting for me because I've kind of taken a a parallel, well, a similar. Uh, a career path where you know we started gt channel and then our parent company right now is actually uh, a company called scene which is an ai media company so we you know we use ai to process videos and break them up into key moments and publish 
them and stuff like that. So today um, I'm interested in also our engineers <laughs> on our, on our, uh, in our company is very, very inter interested to hear um, what is actually going on. So can you explain to us a little bit about um, where RoboRace is at right now? I mean, what exactly it is? Yeah, for sure. Um, the, uh, so first and foremost, um, you know, there are, there are race cars um, and, and, and actually Robo Race owns all of the race cars. So the platform is the same for everybody, for every team that is competing. Um, the idea here is that it is, it is a software competition. It's a competition for, for coders. Um, they, they, they arrive and they load their software stack um, into our car. And, and that is what, that's what competes. Um, the, um, the cars are full autonomous cars. Um, if you want to go by the, by the, by the letter of the law for the SAE, they are level five cars. Uh, cause we have cars that don't even have a steering wheel or a throttle. Um, Robocar doesn't have a steering wheel or throttle. The new car we're working on doesn't have a steering wheel or throttle. Um, and the way the competitions are structured right now is we're in a we're in what we call season beta. So we had a season alpha, um, which started in uh, in, in 2019. Um, we're, we're, we obviously took a little bit of a pause because of what's happening in the world um, in season beta, um, but we're, we're we're back at it again. Actually, preparing for a race in two weeks' time here um, in Las Vegas. Um, then these are both development seasons. So we're trying a lot of different things. Um, we'll launch with our season one uh, in the beginning of 2022. Um, but in this development season, we're, we're typically running, it looks like a, it looks like a time attack. We're running one car at a time. Um, we're doing a lot of virtual ob obstacles uh, through the metaverse um, and throwing those virtual obstacles at the cars. And then they have to, they have to react to the virtual obstacles. And the competition is based on who does that the most accurately and who can go the fastest while they do it. Um, because the key thing about Rover Race is everything we do, we want to be road relevant. We want the reason for doing this is having everybody out there in the audience understand autonomous driving and, and, and how it works. Uh, but number two, also accelerating the learning around autonomous driving or self-driving technology. So the obstacles that you throw at them are they different per each run or are they the same for each you know each car each car that's they're the same for them. they're the same for each team mm -hmm. um the uh and then each time they go out they have different challenges um so let me give you let me give you an example um the when we started out um this season we were we were giving them static uh, objects in other words mm -hmm. there might be a wall there obviously there's a penalty if you hit a wall there might be there might be a bonus where if they hit the bonus they they they, they gain time um we're now moving into the realm of of dynamic objects so they're moving so in other in order to plan a path for a moving object you literally the ai has to look into the future and say i'm here right now that object is over here and we know it's going to go on this trajectory and come over there and it has to plan the path to miss that object um, based on where on, on where it's going, um, and that is, uh, we'll start doing ghost cars now um, because the ghost car is the is the perfect developmental uh, tool um, as we go into what we call multi-agent racing or multi-agent uh, uh, multi-car racing, which we'll be doing uh, we'll be doing this season. So you you have the real cars, the autonomous cars driving out on a track, and uh, virtually um, 
So the audience can, is kind of doing this AR experience where it's like half VR and half like real real life driving. How does that even like? How do how does one enjoy uh, Robo Race? So um, it's actually it's kind of the opposite of that. Um, the uh, so uh, you know if you're watching it on on a, on a Twitch stream or or, or streaming somewhere, you as the audience see the virtual reality, the virtual objects. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're sitting at the track, uh, you don't see them, of course, because <laughs> they're virtual. You just see the, you um, just so it's kind of funny. The car is like right? weaving around on the track and looks like a really really bad self-driving car, um, mm -hmm. but it's actually it's actually doing what it's what it's supposed to do. Um, the uh, to your point, uh, the next step for this will be for our live audience um, is for them to be able to see the the the, the virtual obstacles and uh, the. Um, and I, what we're working on is, is rather than having to go the the full VR uh, mode, we'll try to do it with our we'll try to do it with the phones. Mm, got it. So look through your phones and kind of be able to see what obstacles they're they're dodging and, and stuff like that. Right. And then when we have that up and running, uh, the cool thing, and this is for the live the live audience that might be at the track, um, but it can also be you know for anyone watching around the world. What we'll, we'll take the metaverse and we'll get to the point where we can have some true audience interaction mm -hmm. and they can do things that, um, that, that influence the race in a way. Um, so oh. it, we're trying to take, we're trying to take motorsport where you kind of, you know, you kind of sit there and you watch cars go around for two or three hours, um, mm -hmm. which is, is awesome. We all love motorsport. We're all in this because yeah. we love motorsport. Um, but we want it to be much more interactive where you can be much more a part of what's happening. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Um, so you're saying that the software, it, the software basically dictates, you know, whether you, you're faster, you can dodge a obstacle or whatnot. Um, tell us about the teams that are developing these softwares and involved in the, in the series. Yeah, we have, we have essentially two types of teams. Um, we have commercial teams. So think of big companies that do this for a living. Um, and we also have university teams. And these are universities that are they're researching. They have you know the big robotics departments, um, and uh, you know and they're really on the forefront. The interesting thing is between the commercial teams and the university teams, they're they're kind of neck and neck right now. Um, mm. We uh, we expect uh, you know we expect the university teams in the future to uh, partner with with automotive manufacturers, and that's just starting that's just starting to happen kind of behind the scenes right now. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, and let me give you an idea of a typical team. A typical team is, you know, somewhere between 10 and 20 people. Um, the, some of the teams are more specialized than others. So in other words, you know, you might have a couple of people working on path planning. You have, you know, one or two people working on integration. Um, uh, integration means their software talking properly with the car. Um, mm -hmm. Some working on, on, on stabilization. Stabilization is think of like electronic stability control in your vehicle, but to the next level. So mm -hmm. you know, we have full torque vectoring that they can work on. Um, the uh, the uh, and then uh, obviously uh, sensor sensor fusion. So all the different sensors that are on the car uh, that they're utilizing to kind of see where they are and where they're going. Um, the number one biggest question in Rover Race that people ask is, you know, is it remote control? Um, and it's not remote control. It is full self-driving car. So just like you or I are driving, we're looking through our eyes. Those are our sensors. Um, where our brain, which would be the AI, is kind of planning a path based on what we see with our sensors. And then our arms 
are turning the steering wheel, and that would be the electric the electric motor turning the steering wheel in the car. And you know, our foot is is on the pedal on the brake pedal or or, or, or the gas pedal, um, and that's what's making the car go faster or slower. Um, so you know, all those things that are just steering, brake, and throttle are all drive by wire, of course, in in in, in our application. Um, but that's how it's working. The advantages it has is we have two eyes. Um, and uh, our car has 14 sensors around it. Um, so it can see all the way around it. And there are different types of sensors. There's radars, there's LIDARs. Um, we have a GNSS positioning, which is a highly accurate GPS positioning. Um, and, then, and, then, and then photo cameras, photo cameras as well and infrareds. Um, so it has a really good sense of, it has great spatial awareness. It knows what's happening around it. Does, um, do these teams like they, do they all develop uh, proprietary software or do they use, are they allowed to use like some off the shelf, like vision models or, or, or and stuff like that? Yeah, um, two parts of that. Uh, so the university teams, uh, we require everything that they develop that they publish. Um, so we're giving the university teams a, a, basically a, a seat at the table at RoboRace. And mm -hmm. for us giving them that seat at the table, we want them to publish everything because our goal and our, our, our reason for being is, is to help, to help, um, to help further the technology, self-driving technology. The commercial teams, um, which are paying for a seat at the table, mm -hmm. are a little bit different. Um, they, they show up with proprietary software stacks and those, kind of, those stay in a black box. Um, mm -hmm. The idea is, is that through healthy com competition, they learn mm -hmm. where their weaknesses are and they can improve, they can improve our stack. So that helps right. us sleep at night. We we're mm -hmm. still improving. We're improving the we're improving the space. Um, uh, to that end, uh, several of our teams, when they start out, they will start with a base layer, um, and that base layer is a base layer that actually we created at Rover Race when we wrote at Rover Race. Um, so some of the many a majority of the teams right now are using our base layer, but the base layer was created so that they could go in and highly customize the areas that where they have a core competency, number one, and where they feel strategically is the best thing to improve, uh, to improve their performance on the track. I'm sure you hear this a lot, this question a lot, but will no, these- No, it's not remote control. <laughs> <laughs> will these cars be able to go faster than humans or have you, have they already, can they already go faster than, you know, the Stig? <laughs> the, um, I, I, I I can't answer that one officially right now. Um, the uh, um, the day the day is coming, uh, so we're we're very we're very close. Uh, we're doing we're doing superhuman superhuman things already. In other words, mm -hmm. things that better than a human can do. And it's a matter of taking all those things and putting them together. Um, the uh, we're uh, we're just about to drop a video, um, mm -hmm. what we call the Lucas Challenge. So Lucas Degrassi. Uh, who's been with the project since the beginning. Um, and you might know him from Formula E and winning the world championship in Formula E. Uh, so he's very, very good at driving. Well, he was good at Formula One driver. He's very, very good at driving electric cars, which is a bit of a specialty, to be honest. Um, and one of our cars, which is called the DevBot, DevBot 2.0, actually has a cockpit in it. So we had that cockpit for safety drivers so we could give rides. Uh, we'll have to get you out driving this sometime, Taro. Oh, yeah. But then I just, but the, I just want to but the, sit inside the car. <laughs> the, the, the hitch is, is yeah, you, it, it then gets to take you for a ride. Um, right. So be careful what you do. Um, the, uh, cause the AI can be vindictive. Um, 
but we'll put Lucas in the in in the car, have him set a time, have the AI set a time, and uh, all I all I can say for right now is, is it's it's very very close, uh, much closer than than much closer than than anyone would believe. And to your question is will 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 the AI be able to go faster than a human? Uh, absolutely, um, and the reason for that is um, is that it just has so many more tools um, at its, at, at its use than, than, than any human driver has. And it also has the, it also has the computing speed to deal with all those different, the data coming in and the tools that it has. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, when we're driving, uh, I've got one brake pedal and that operates all, all four brakes. And in a race car, I might be able to change the brake bias front and rear. Um, but after that, I'm kind of, I'm kind of out of luck. Um, in, in, in theory, the autonomous car has four brake pedals. So it can do t- full torque vectoring under braking um, right. to optimize braking and cornering at the same time. Sure. Um, that's a big, big advantage. Um, yeah. You might remember uh, uh, Mika Hakkinen tried two brake pedals in the McLaren uh, about 20 years ago in Formula One because he thought he could be better. Um, and he's like, it's just, it's, it was too much, too much for the processor. He's like, I just well, can't keep it only straight. Has two- too, yeah. but you know yeah. robo race yeah he would take his he would take his foot off the gas and then and, and then and then and then transfer that to the the the, the, the right brake pedal and he always had his foot on the left brake pedal mm-hmm. um and he's like i just can't get it straight he's like when i get it right it's better um but he just couldn't he couldn't keep it straight and he was a pretty talented driver um so this has this has four brake pedals you know in in theory and it also has four throttles in theory um yeah. for, for a really good corner exit um, and it's really good at sensing slip and it has all these sensors around it. So that's why that's when you see an autonomous car go quicker, it's nothing bad on humans. It just has, it just has more, more capabilities and more things available to it. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, uh, slip, um, when are you guys coming out with a robo race car that could drift? Oh, we've done it. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the Stanford guys, they did an awesome job with the uh, with with Marty with the DeLorean, so we're we're big fans of that project. Um, the actually our next car uh, will be a little bit more drifty. Our 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 current car, the Devbot, not really a drift machine. It doesn't. It's a it's based on a Genetta um, LMP3 car, uh, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have a lot of it doesn't have a lot of steering lock, which can mm-hmm. be which can be a problem. Um, the uh, we've we've done it with um, we've done it with Robocar. Uh, Robocar is the, the our kind of our iconic car. Um, no cockpit whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it is, it's, it's, it's all wheel drive. It has four motors in it, one at each corner. And uh, that one we can drift and do anything we want. Um, it's a lot of it's through torque vectoring. The next car uh, will be a rear wheel drive drift machine. Um, nice. So uh, and it'll have a bunch of steering lock. Uh, so literally we went deep into the night last night working on, working on steering lock and sweep for it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, we want to make it fun for the crowd to the, the, the audience to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think, we think that they're seeing the AI be able to control slides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just kind of, again, kind of further their, their, um, their appreciation for what the technology can do. Mm-hmm. So with the AI, um, you know, running the, the cars, will there ever be like, you know, flags, that yellow flag, red flags. I mean, are these cars capable of breaking the rules or are we just going to watch, you know, just cars being, you know, nice and nice and smooth and obeying the rules? Because, you know, part of um, the attract 
attract attraction of motorsports is you know you got the controversy and you know who won who didn't who whose fault was it all that kind of stuff the um no it's a, it's a great question um and actually the way i joined rover race um was uh was was i, I just started out as a as a project to write the rules for their first mm -hmm. race mm -hmm. and it, it it's kind of mind bending to write the rules when you're <laughs> because so many of the sporting regulations are based on, on drivers and you know, yeah. okay, I understand human nature and I understand what people are going to try to get away, away with. And you know, I've been there as a driver and I've, I've, I've been on the other side of I've been trying to get away with all this stuff. So you write, you write rules around that. And that's, that's kind of fun. That's the fun part of writing about writing rules is mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, as they always say, when it comes to a technical regulation, the, the, the best author of a technical regulation is a great cheater. Um, mm -hmm. They know everything you're going to try. Um, yeah. The in uh, this one, um, you're writing, you're writing for AI and, mm -hmm. you know, the thing about AI is it is constantly learning and it yeah. takes the lessons it, it learns and it, it applies that to the, to, to the next lap. Um, unlike a human, it doesn't make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does change the way you, you write the rules and, and to your, to your, to your question, uh, an AI could could decide that it's going to try this if it makes the if it makes the calculation of you know either either you know it it it's supposed to always drive within the rules but it, mm -hmm. someday it could make the calculation and say you know what this is outside and this is where we're getting into kind of crazy stuff um, it could say you know what they're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to catch me on this and I'm going to I'm going to do it <laughs> a little bit like a human does you know it's like yeah. you know those on, on a track those things you do when you know, there's no corner marshal that can see you. Um, that's right. that's might be where you you know where you do something. Um, so yeah. it is uh, it is entirely possible for that to happen. But you'll have the data though, right? We will after, have the data after the race to yeah. check everything, which is also something that you don't have in real racing. Yep. No, and in, uh, in uh, let's see, round three of this season, um, we had a situation. Uh, like mm -hmm. that, where uh, um, a team exceeded the track limits, um, mm -hmm. and the oh, and the interesting thing about this season is, and the interesting thing about autonomous is, okay, it's COVID, and the teams can't travel. Uh, they're all they're, they're all over the world. One team's in Austria, one is in in Switzerland, one's in Russia, one's in you know Cambridge, Massachusetts. They're all over the place. They couldn't travel to the event. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is is We've had them transfer uh, their data, their 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 software stack in. We load it onto an SSD. We load it into the car. It's just our <laughs> operations team is there, so they're literally doing yeah. it virtually. And then right. we have we have um, we have a, a simulcast that they can look at. They can look at all the screens, so they have all the data there. Um, and then just as if they were at the track, they can react to that and they can change their code for the next run. Um, oh, I see. Which is which is kind of cool. It's something yeah. that, that, that regular, regular racing, uh, regular racing couldn't do. Yeah. That's interesting. So the teams are individually, you know, they're virtual, they're out there and they're just watching their software being run on a car that everybody shares. Right. So right. everyone's just taking turns, uploading the, the software and watching their, their car run. And during, while the car is running, they can't make any changes though. It's just, they, it's out, out there and it's on their own, right? It's autonomous, so they can't 
make any adjustments when the car is uh, driving at this point. That is, uh, yes, right now. Um, they will be allowed to make some parameter changes mm -hmm. uh, when the car is out there in the future. Um, mm -hmm. So right now the parameter changes happen through Roborice. So mm -hmm. for instance, let me give you an example. Um, let's say parameter change is regarding uh, VMAX, I mean, top speed. Um, mm -hmm. And they can, they can decide based on the risk factor that they want to take, okay, what top speed, uh, where do I want to limit the speed on this lap? And they might start out with, okay, we'll limit the speed at, at, at 100 on the first lap, 120 on the second lap, 150 on the third lap, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, so we take care of that right now. In, in future, we'll, 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 we'll release more of that control to the teams. Um, the other, there, there, you know, other parameters in the car is uh, you know, lateral acceleration. Um, so they can make adjustments in, in, in that as well. But more and more of that just happens through the AI. That's the direction this is all going in. And when COVID is done, are you guys going to have the teams show up on site or is this always going to be remotely done? I will, I we'll go back to the teams being on site. There is a, there's a certain something that I think is, uh, is, 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 is lost by doing it virtual. Um, the, uh, again, the reason we're doing this is to create this kind of interesting incubator um, for coming up with, you know, coming up with, with, with innovation. And there's so much that happens after the race, you know, when everybody's sitting around and talking, they're like, oh, we did this and we did that. And I think that's where a lot of the learnings happen. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to lose that human factor. Um, you know, it's interesting when we, uh, you know, when we go on kind of a traditional motorsports channel, we have a lot of haters um, mm -hmm. that are out there and uh, they're like, you're ruining racing. You're taking drivers out. I don't, you know, I don't like this. And, and I, yeah, I, I get it. Um, the, uh, I know when we have multi-agent racing and the cars are doing superhuman things and it's the coolest racing you've ever seen, they'll probably come around. Um, but my point is, is that there are humans behind this, you know, these, the, the, yeah. the, the cars at this point don't code themselves. Um, yeah. and we really try to tell those stories and we're, we're doing that more and more of the teams that are behind it and kind of the struggles they go through. Cause it's really, really hard. I mean, so yeah. many times when we go out to the track, we're doing something that's never been done in the history of the world before. Um, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's the attractive thing for me. I like it, but it's really hard work. So who gets to be on the podium when, uh, when you win, um, so it is uh, it is the it is the the, the team leader, um, mm -hmm. and uh, so it's the team leader that, that that accepts the trophy virtually. Oh, I had one behind me, but I covered it up with the with the with the background. Um, they're <laughs> the one that gets that. They're the ones that get to come up and accept the trophy, and then they, they hold the they, SSD. They up. can tell the AI about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, James, you had some questions too. Jump in when you want. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what's the best way to, to uh, sort of describe this to someone who is sort of unfamiliar with it? I mean, obviously, there's lots of connotations with the, what you're talking about in regards to objects and so forth that say it's like kind of like maybe Mario Race for the Future kind of thing. But what would you say is the best way of sort of describing it to someone who's unfamiliar, say, with like the concept of those objects in Mario Race? Yeah, I mean, for, for us, the way we the way we describe it is um, it is a it's a competition for self-driving cars. There are no human drivers. So what that does, what that means is that it is a software competition. Mm -hmm. um, was that a Chihuahua? 
It was. That's okay. Kaju Kiwi. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. The, I thought so. Um, otherwise, I would have been worried. Um, so it is a it is a competition. It's a competition for software, and um, and and we throw various challenges at the cars, and some of those challenges are virtual objects, and they have to deal with the virtual objects. Um, speaking with those challenges, then I mean, I'm guessing that when you you make the switch from DevBot DevBot 2.0 to the next uh, vehicle, guys, there's going to be more challenges associated with that as well. Then. Um, there will be there'll be more challenges. So when we go when we go to the, the new vehicle, I mean we'll actually do this with 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 DevBot as well. Um, we'll we'll have multiple cars on the track. So what we're doing is we're kind of trying to we're using these two these 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 two development seasons, season alpha and season beta, and we're kind of marching towards getting down to more of a solidified com- competition structure. So yep. right now we're making big changes. It's like okay, we're gonna. We're doing static objects. We're doing dynamic objects. Here's a ghost car. Here's Autobahn style racing. We're throwing all these things at the team. So we learn a lot and they learn a lot and they develop a lot of skills. Um, then the idea is to start to start to lock down the competition structure a little bit, really define it. There's multiple cars on the track and then they can work in those, in those, those, those fine areas of, 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 of being the best. Right now it's like, it's, it's kind of, it's survival. It's like, can you figure this out? Okay, in two weeks' time, we're going to give you a completely new challenge. Figure this out. Figure this out. Figure this out. And it's all a little rough. Um, the uh, and sometimes a, one of our best teams will come out and they suck because um, they didn't get it right that week. Um, and sometimes our our you know the teams that struggle a little bit they come out and they 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 crush it. And that's that's kind of the beauty of it right now um, is kind of looking for those co- core competencies and seeing where they're good. Um, but uh, the competition will go to where it's, it's you know, like any competition, it kind of comes up to those, those final tents. That's where we're headed. And then speaking about that, with the, the teams that are based, they've got like the robotics programs now, for example, are they telling you like how many hours they're like cranking out as a whole team to put this together for the two weeks? Do they sort of give you an inclination of the, the time spent on this? Yeah, they moan about it all the time. Um, so according to them, they're working 25 hours a day, eight days a week, you know, walking, to school in the snow uphill both ways. Yeah. <laughs> what really happens, I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. It's probably I know when we mix between the two, right? Did, uh, <laughs> I know when we did the in-person races. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of by the end of the competition, so the competition is typically two practice days and two competition days. Um, and and what would happen is you learn stuff all day long, and then they would code all night long. Mm-hmm. It, by the end of the competition, they were looking pretty wrecked. <laughs> looking like zombies mm-hmm. and when uh, you go back to normal competition um will you be changing uh, you know will there be like rounds different rounds where you go to different tracks or are you staying in vegas where you're doing your uh, season right now yeah and as for season one uh we'll be going to different tracks uh for okay. sure and in season alpha we went to a bunch of different tracks we were in monte blanco in spain we went to a test track in hungary uh, we did Goodwood at the, the hill climb. We did Shelsley Walsh, which is, I think, one of the oldest actual car races in the in the in in the history of the world. Um, it's just funny little hill climb in England. Uh, we did um, we did some other other races as well. And then this season we started out at Anglesey in Wales. You know that awesome track with the with the sea in the background. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we did a race at Bedford. Um, and now we're back at at, at Las Vegas. Um, and Las Vegas is where we have our technical and development center. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's great because we have, our shops are right next to the track. We can run the cars autonomously out to the track. 
And then they go out there and it's super efficient testing for us. So we can do a lot of testing days. We have 120 days a year out there. Autonomous racing right now takes a lot of testing uh, mm -hmm. to get it right. Um, and we can do, we can do events uh, very efficiently. Um, so rather than moving everything around, we're going to do the events this year in Las Vegas mm -hmm. um, and just keep, keep, keep challenging the teams with, 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 with different things that they, they need to do. Uh, but for season one, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be going to tracks around the world. Sam, did you have uh, something um, that yeah, you I wanted to ask? I got a few questions, Chip. There are um, no stupid questions, Sam, so go ahead. Uh, no, I think my, my questions are going to put your guys' questions to shame. So anyways, <laughs> uh, Chip, after no, your- No, Sam, Sam, yeah. they're not remote control, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to get that clear. Chip, they're not remote control. <laughs> Chip, they're- uh, after you, you know your involvement. I mean, with your resume and everything, I'm I'm sure there's been uh, quite a bit of interest now from uh, all over uh, all over the world. Uh, you know, with uh, with someone as yourself involved now, uh, you were talking about some of these uh, companies, uh, the non-student people. But you, I, I did not hear any car companies in uh, in that. You didn't you didn't mention any. Uh, yeah. Are there any car companies that are They've taken um, um, interest in this because to me, this would be the perfect testing bed for these guys to test their autonomous or even develop and, you know, uh, perfect their autonomous uh, technology. Sam, that was a great question. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> see you guys? Yeah, you didn't know he had it in him. The, uh, the, um, I had to write it down from Chip, but yeah. I mean, that's what it is. The... Um, no, that is, Sam, that's exactly where this is all headed. Um, so, so right now, um, the, uh, there are not, um, there are not car companies um, that are, that are publicly involved. Um, and we're not going to see car companies until they're, they're, they're publicly involved until they're actually selling autonomous driving systems uh, to you and me um, out of their, out of their showrooms. Mm. Um, what's the time frame on that? We imagine, you know, four or five years. That's where we think we're going to we're going to be seeing seeing you know some things that are really that are really doable and they can work in with a lot of different data sets. Um, they'll probably have certain geographies that they're that they're they're limited to. Um, once that happens, um, and it's my personal belief, and it's one of the reasons I came to this project, um, is I think there's going to be a huge a huge marketing challenge um, for the manufacturers because now they've invested in this technology and they've already invested billions in this technology, mm -hmm. and it was one thing to get um, consumers to shift from internal combustion engines to uh, to, to electric vehicles, um, but honestly, it's not that much different. You know, you have a, you have a throttle, you have a brake pedal. It's you know, it's a little bit quieter, but it kind of goes the same way. You know, it's a little torquier, sure, but is it a is it a huge a huge leap? Not really. Um, autonomous vehicles are a huge leap, um, and the uh and 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 all you have to do is just come out and ride in one of our cars and you'll realize what a huge leap it is it is it is it is mind-blowing um and and you know and I, I like to say think about it this way i've got it i've got an 11 year old daughter and there's someday when i'm going to put her in the back seat of a car and have that car drive her to school think about what a leap of faith psychologically that is mm -hmm. um and that's that's where the challenge is and that's where the challenge is going to be for the manufacturers and that's where that's where competition comes in. Um, you know, I mean, why did racing start in the first place? That's why races were a thousand kilometers or 24 hours or 12 hours or 500 miles. It was to prove the durability of these new hyper complex 
compared to a horse and buggy machines. Um, and, you know, and that's where racing has gone. It's like, it's okay, it's durable. This is going to be, Robo Race is going to be the platform for manufacturers to show, hey, we have the best solution for, for, autonomous, for autonomous driving. Um, you know, and for me, I'm not going to put my, my daughter in the back of the car and send her, off to, send her off to school until I believe that that car can drive her more safely than I can. Mm -hmm. That's got to be a pretty dang good system. Um, Chip, how, man, how much, uh, how much um, uh, experience or knowledge did you have about autonomous um, vehicles and autonomous systems before you uh, joined up on RoboRace? Or has, has it been a huge, like, just steep educational experience for you? Um, I've always followed it. I've always mm -hmm. been, I've always been interested in it um, and been interested in the, uh, in the technology and, you know, realized that this was going to be something that would happen in the future once the, once the technology, uh, once the technology caught up with it. Um, I mean, when you look at the number of traffic fatalities on the road, it's pretty, it's pretty staggering. Um, you know, it's the, uh, it's the, it's kind of the pandemic that we can cure. Um, the uh, you know and and self driving is kind of the va the vaccine for it um, because it will take human error out of the equation um, you know it may it may take 20, 30, 40 years to get to where we have you know a, a, a the herd immunity of autonomous cars I sorry I'm really extending this metaphor much more than I ever have um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, it's a sign of, it's a sign of the times it is sign of the times <laughs> um, but uh, once we do get a majority of the cars out there autonomously you'll see. You'll see you'll see those uh, those those traffic fatality numbers uh, come way down. Uh, all that being said, um, I followed it pretty closely. I thought I knew a lot about it. I came into the company, and um, it's been a huge it's been a huge learning curve. Um, we have a we have a group of really really talented engineers that are on the that are on the the bleeding edge of this technology, and um, it's pretty fascinating to. Uh, to figure it out. I mean, this, you know, in the past 24 months, we set a Guinness record for fastest autonomous car in the world. Um, you know, we ran the car up, 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 up Goodwood. Um, you know, when we were there at Goodwood the first year, there was a, there was a pretty big well-known technology company that also tried to run a car up the hill and that didn't go so well. Mm. Um, and here we are, you know, a group of, of 40 people, you know, working out of Banbury, England at the time. And, uh, we ran it up with no driver on full lidar, no GPS. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, every day. Every day we're learning, um, which is, and that's the fun part about it. How much, uh, you know, Taro touched upon this a little bit, but how much exactly uh, uh, fan um, uh, attraction are you are you going with this? Because, uh, like Taro said, you know, it, mostly, you know, these cars are going to be at some point perfect. So we're not going to see the the crashes or the offs or the you know the, the 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 controversial stuff and also i think with the autonomous racing you're missing the personality right the drivers you know the 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 guys that you know kind of attract fans and stuff um will it be you know will these guys have avatars or whatever or something to you know to, to put some personality into into each team or the all because right now i would think wow all the teams are gonna you know kind of Kind the of program. The programmers are the stars. The programmers. Right. Yeah, but you know, I mean, are they going to be the stars? Are they going? Are they going to be the face of their teams? So we are working on. We are working on some avatars, um, so that we have the kind of that differentiation between teams. As far as, as far as it all being perfect, um, the, the it's 
you know, there's each, each software stack is different. It's, 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 it's programmed by different humans. So you don't get, you don't get that situation uh, so much. Um, The, uh, it, and they're all, they're always going to be the same when it comes, you know, to your question about manufacturers, um, each manufacturer is going to bring a a different approach, different safety parameters, different data sets to this. And that will, that will influence the performance you see, you see on the track. Um, The, uh, the, um, the idea behind making it a competition and, and, you know, and putting, you know, making them go as fast as possible and putting a stopwatch on it. Some people will look at you and say, well, that's not really road relevant, but we do it. We do it for two reasons. Um, number one is, is we want to push them into, into edge case scenarios um, so that they are pushing as hard as they possibly can. And for the manufacturers, um, we actually give them kind of a safe place to crash. Um, you know, if they, if they, you know, God forbid, you know, go off the road and hit a pedestrian in, 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 in public road testing, that's, that's a tragedy. And it is a, it is a, it is a, it is a, a PR nightmare. Um, the, uh, e- even if, even if it's one mistake, you know, per 10 million miles, mm-hmm. um, you know, much better than human, but still it's, 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 it's a big problem. Um, we give them, we give them a safe place to push the limits. Um, and that's what we want to do is give them a safe place to push the limits. And if they crash, okay, they put, they, they, they went a little too far. They'll come back and they did that. I mean, we had that happen. We had that happen in uh, uh, two competitions ago um, where one of our teams, uh, Acronis SIT um, made the, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a error. I mean, literally the car took off and it did a hard right turn into the pit wall. Um, you know, you, you may have seen it four and a half million other people saw it, um, you know, and then they came back the next day and they won. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about, it's about it's learning and getting better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the great thing about that is no one gets hurt, right? There's right. no driver in the car. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So it's still expensive, but no one got right. hurt. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. When I said perfect, I didn't mean every uh, car would be doing a perfect lap because everyone did. They'd be right all tied. I mean, yeah. I was thinking the element of, you know, cars going off. I mean, I, I would think these cars, these cars, these the people who compete here would be at such a high level yeah. that you're not going to see these cars going off, or you know. But just as you said, I, it does happen, right? They they, they run into a wall. Yeah, so. and if we're making them, if we're telling, if, if we're saying, hey, you need to go as fast as possible, it's it's you know, it's a race like any other race. Oh, they got to push. They're it gonna a little they're bit. gonna push the limits as hard right. as possible, and and you know, and and every once in a while they're gonna go off. It's it's a matter of I'll, I'll oversimplify it a little bit, but if you take your risk parameter within the AI and, you know, you go out for the race and you're going to have really, really hard competition and you dial your risk parameter up to maximum, mm-hmm. you may go off. Yeah. 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 Well, that's less, just like in any formal racing almost. Yes. Think about it that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chip, this is a kind of off topic a little bit and, well, we'll we'll be wrapping up in a little bit, but this is a topic that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And I heard you say that the Robo Car, well, the the first the Robo, which what's the name of the the one? That, Robo Car. Yeah. Robo Car. Yeah. Um, is essentially a drone mm-hmm. with with wheels. Yes. Now, have you guys thought about flying cars at all? We have. Yeah. Yes. That was a really short answer, Chip. 
Yeah. <laughs> and can the, can the technology be utilized for air travel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot easier. There's a lot less to hit up there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's part of the attraction for us. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the technology is, 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 is very easy. I mean, you know, I mean, planes right now have autopilot on it. Um, mm -hmm. If we were able to bring the level of accuracy that we have, that, that ground-based vehicles have and, and, and put it into flying, I mean, we, there's, there's all kinds of things you could do. Um, so we are, you know, and, and, you know, there's already, there's already small, you know, autonomous drones that are out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, right now, the limiting factor, the really, really hard thing to do is, is that, you know, batteries are still stupid heavy. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as, as soon as there's a breakthrough um, with a, with a, a new battery technology and there are a few really promising things happening in the industry, mm -hmm. then I, the, I mean, I hate to say it, but the sky's the limit. Um, it's <laughs> the, um, you know, and then there's all, I know exactly. Sorry. The, um, there's all kinds of things that can happen at that point. Um, and it is an area that we, uh, we spend a lot of time looking at. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I may have hit something there yeah. guys. Yeah. Or not, you know, <laughs> or not. Um, any, uh, records that you guys are, um, okay. So you have that thing coming up pretty soon that you're about to announce. Uh, yeah. let us know, please. So we can share that with you. Um, any other, uh, big events that you guys are, uh, scheduling in the future here? Yeah. One of the things we're working on is we want to, uh, we want to go out and set quite a few records. Um, so we're working on the next version of Robocar. Um, it'll still look like Robocar, um, but it'll have some have a little bit more performance. Um, it'll have some better uh, high-speed aero. Um, and we will go out and set some records uh, with Robocar. Uh, we want to we set a closed course record, um, you know, around, around a road course. Um, we'd like to set an set a acceleration record because if when we get it to launch properly, it's pretty quick. Um, and uh, the... Um, and then we got two other records, two other records we're, we're, we're looking at with it. Um, and the idea behind those records is we really just want to throw down the gauntlet. You know, if, mm -hmm. if, if Elon wants to come out and try to beat us, awesome, bring it. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the model has plaid is, is, looks pretty impressive. Um, so, you know, we, we really want to get that competition going and foster that, that, that competition. Um, mm -hmm. So we figured the best way to do that is let's just go out. We, you know, we, we can go out and set the records and, and, and hopefully somebody tries to knock us off and, then we can come back and try to beat them and that'll be fun. Well, these are electric cars. So, you know, um, the Volkswagen IDR at Pikes Peak, that should be something that you guys definitely should be looking at or we are probably looking at already. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we are, we're talking to the Pikes Peak people. Um, the IDR is really, really quick. Uh, it's uh, um, Pikes Peak is it's doable. It's a, it's a big, big challenge uh, because it's uh, because it's so long. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's on the horizon. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be there this year, uh, poking around. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure you'll be there too. We'll have to, uh, mm -hmm. we'll have to hang out. Yeah. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, we're looking at stuff like that for sure. Cool. Cool. Um, just the way you described, um, uh, um, this, uh, the whole autonomous thing, uh, for speed as in, in lapping, I mean, being able to control every brake separately. Being able to control the thrust on every wheel separately is something that, I mean, is unimaginable, unimaginable with a human driver. And I, I can't, I really can't see a human um, 
um, matching or even surpassing uh, proper, you know, as you say, as the technology gets a little more, you know, cleaner and stuff, there, there's just no way humans are going to be able to beat. I think I almost uh, liken it to chess, you know, where uh, yep. the best computers could not beat a human player forever. Now, there's no way a human player could, you know, hang hang with a, a, a computer beat just because of all the calculations it could make. So, yeah, um, it can make you, make more calculations more quickly. Is what more it quickly about. and control all those wheels. I mean, just going into a breaking into a turn, uh, you know, trail breaking. I mean, it's just too much of an advantage for a human being to overcome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It is. It it does get to the point where there's just there's 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 too much data coming at you. As a, as a human being, I mean, it's interesting, you know, when you when you deal at, at, at top levels of, of, of motorsport, you've got the driver and then the the, you know, and there's all this telemetry happening and all this data happening in, 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 in Formula One and in sports cars, um, but particularly in Formula One. And then, you know, when they finish when they finish out on the track, they'll go into the they'll go into the into the into the motor homes. And they'll be in there for four or five hours, pouring through all the data to figure out how they're going, how they can go more quickly mm -hmm. um, the next day or the next session. Um, and the the cool thing about this is that can all happen in 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 a few nanoseconds. Right. In real time. That's yeah. the difference. Hey Chip, uh, can you give me kind of an estimate of when that technology is going to be there? Um, uh, autonomous technology is going to be there. You said four or five years, as in until you guys are going to be, you know, uh, having good competition on the races, but where the where there's no way a human could beat a, a proper autonomously could, uh, um, data car, you know. Um, we're we're I will, there, uh, I'll, right? put it, I'll, I'll put it I'll put it this way. The right. um, I I think that 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 we will be able to beat a, a very very fast human being this year. This year, mm -hmm. wow! Whoa. So it's we're we're you're Whoa. you're pretty much there. Yeah. James, uh, James is a They're big uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, fan, so I mean, we're going to have to have a Lewis Hamilton versus Robo Race uh, showdown <laughs> at some point, huh? Wow. Hey, James, if you can, uh, if you can text him and have him show up, we uh, did. I'll just, uh, it was just we over a, for a cup of tea for last night, so yeah, done. <laughs> uh, I'll just have a word. I'll put yeah. it in there. I know he loves Chihuahuas, so <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Roscoe and Kiwi get on very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chip, with you involved, I, I see just nothing but great things, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where this thing goes. I mean, like you said. It seems like the sky's the limit, and we're almost we're pretty we're pretty 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 high up right now already. So yeah. uh, it's it's really exciting, huh? Yeah, cool. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, and uh, yeah, it is it is a it's a really really fun project because um, uh, you know, and that's what I like about the team here. It's like we literally we can come up and each day dream up new things and then then make it happen. Right. Yeah, awesome. that's so cool. Fascinating stuff. Um, tell our viewers uh, where they can find you and how to how to follow you. Best way to follow you guys. Yeah, best way to follow us is I mean, number one, if you want a little bit more background uh, about Robo Race, go to go to Robo Race at, at, at YouTube, our YouTube channel. Um, there's 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 a slew of there's a slew of videos there. That's that's it, um, and it goes right back to to our beginning um, mm -hmm. to what we're up to what we're up to right now. Um, Follow us on, on on Insta is is always a good way. Again, it's it's always Robo Race, um, uh, Facebook uh, as well, and then the competitions uh, air live uh, air live on Twitch. Um, the next competition will be March thirtieth and thirty first. That's actually mm -hmm. midweek competition. Works out well for our universities. Um, mm -hmm. And just go to mm -hmm. our, our, our Robo Robo Race channel. It's uh, 
let's see, twitch.tv forward slash RoboRace um, and check us out there. And you can actually, you can check out the, uh, the replays of, of the past competitions there as well. Awesome. Cool, cool. All right, guys, make sure to follow RoboRace as all those platforms. Uh, Chip, uh, congratulations. Uh, we're really excited about this. Uh, we'll be following it for sure. Um, and uh, uh, thanks for your time today. Uh, yeah. Really, really glad to have you on, on, on the show today. Thanks, Taro. You, you, uh, you've always been uh, one, of the, uh, one of the awesome ones to talk to in the space and uh, great, uh, great connecting with you again and, 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 and your whole team there. Sam, good seeing you again. James, nice to uh, yep. meet you and your, and your, your pets. Yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> look forward to, uh, look forward to uh, more conversations. Awesome, Chip. Right. Looking forward to awesome. seeing you. Great. Thanks, Chip. Thanks, All right, Chip. Appreciate Thank it. you. Bye. Bye. Very cool, man. That stuff is. Yeah, I went through a lot of those videos, and man, I'm just going, you know, what? It was almost hard to kind of comprehend what was going on, you know? I mean, it's, like you said, there weren't remote control, but you see the steering wheel moving, it goes, oh, it looks like it's remote control, but it's not. Everything's been yeah. perfect. So it's it's, it's cool. a completely new form of entertainment, you know? And it, you yeah. know what it, I mean, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to offend a lot of people out there, but you know what it is? It's very, very close to, you know, like what the, he was saying, like software competitions. You know what it reminded me of? You know, my kid's like in seventh grade and he does these Lego competitions. So they, they code and then they have to download this, the software. Like the Mindstorm, yeah. And yeah. they do these robotic challenges and hurdles and stuff. And, you know, one, you know, one time it just goes backwards. Sometimes it doesn't move at all. It's the exact I, same I don't thing. think anyone would be offended by that, Taro. Yeah, but it's a Lego thing that, you know, yeah, mi middle school, school kids yeah. do. But it's, it's, it's kind of the same though, you know, but in, on steroids and on, on real mm. cars. No, that, that, was, that was cool. So, cool, cool. Another right. form for, uh, racing for you to follow, James, at some point. No, definitely. No, I'm well versed in the uh, the world of Robo Race. Uh, I had a chat with Daniel Simon when I uh, at Race Service there about the original car. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real interesting company, and uh, there's lots of it's like, exciting things to come from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I yeah. just yeah, I didn't uh, I did I didn't know Chip was involved in that thing. I said, but why, Chip? Really? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm super glad that he is. You know, he's in charge. One day you can get him to come back, and we can talk all about global rallycross. Yeah. No kidding. Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. I want to get I want to get on one of those race cars. Have it drive oh, what, me around. The race cars. Just yeah. let it drive. Yeah. Yeah, because you know it won't spin, right? I know. I know that Sam won't <laughs> yeah. uh, go in there. Sam would be too terrified of me. If he's too scared to go in the car with me, he's going to be more scared to go in that uh, the DevBot 2.0. I, I wouldn't say more scared. I would say equally scared. Uh, you're right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't jump in that car yet. I'll let Taro jump in first. Yeah, but what if I get in and then it just takes a hard right and goes right into the wall when I'm? I happen to be sitting in it. That wouldn't be fun. Well, they'll be no, putting. No, I have then, a feeling no, they'll probably I would put say, you. I would say thank God I wasn't. I didn't go in. There. Right, right. I have right. a feeling you'll probably be riding on the base code, Taro. I don't think they'll be putting you on. They'll be like when you go, you know, when you do a hot lap with someone except Sam Matani, when they say, yes, yes, I'm going to go full 10 tenths and they only go six tenths. It's going to be the yeah, same yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. They're going to put yeah. you on the base mode. Exactly. They always tell you, oh man, I was pushing it, man. And then, you know, oh, you yeah. get off and you go tell your friends, man, he was really pushing it. We went really fast, but you know, he's only going like 50%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was fascinating. That's like we're, we're we're stepping into the future of this stuff, you know. I mean, race cars driving, not driving. Yeah, actually, they are driving themselves because there's no one doing a remote control. These things are just, you know, these are, you know, that's why I think I thought it would be cool to have like, 
you know, robots or whatever, avatar, you know, avatars or something to give some personality, you know, to, to yeah, these, yeah. these vehicles. So, yeah, cool. Oh, that was a good fun, Darrell. Good job. Thank you. Where should we go next then? Do you want to go to yours, Sam, or should we go to mine? Which one do you want to do? Let's go yours. Uh, we'll save mine for the finale. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, mine's pretty straightforward. I'm just going to share the, just the Formula One webpage because I think that's the main thing we'll talk about uh, today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, we had testing that just happened over the last week, preseason testing. Um, admittedly, some days it made me think back to uh, late 90s, early noughties dance music because there was a bit of sandstorm going on there, like Darude used to perform out of Sweden. But uh, more so than anything, it really gave a good insight in regards to how the season is looking up. And then you're going to talk about, obviously, it's preseason testing. So there was lots of parts on display. Um, there's lots of, we get to welcome all the new things. Obviously, we've got the, the new names on the grid. We've got Aston Martin. We've got Alpine. Uh, so, yeah, so it's good to see that. We've got new drivers coming on board. Um, one of, uh, do you know much about the new driver, uh, Sam, that's coming through there for AlphaTauri with the Honda engines? No, I don't. I, I, that's Nuda. The only thing I've kind of keyed on was uh, Aston Martin and Sebastian Vettel, but you know. Yeah, so Aston Martin didn't really have the best of times, uh, but it seemed like it went the the testing went very well for Red Bull. Um, they look, but then obviously you've got to ask the question. I mean, Mercedes were like one plus second off the the pace, so were they really off the pace? Are they sandbagging? It's all these things that we're going to find out. I mean, it, I don't expect them to be that bad. Um, Obviously, they're going to, they've been testing at Bahrain. The race starts in Bahrain at the end of the month. Right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, people are saying that Red Bulls are going to be favorites for the season based on this testing. I have a hard time thinking going past Mercedes right. as number aren't one. The cars, aren't the cars, good, supposedly, but aren't the cars supposed to be a lot more competitive, all of them? They say it's that not they, just Mercedes and, you know, Mercedes they, and Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari. I mean... No, no, no. I think it's I think it's going to be Mercedes and Red Bull very much out front. Yeah. Okay. Um, a pack in the middle, and then you're going to have Haas at the back, Williams in front of them, and then everyone else sort of fighting out in the middle. I think McLaren, Honda, mm-hmm. will. I'm um, sorry, McLaren, Mercedes are going to be pushing the top two teams, mm-hmm. um, because it's nice to have them obviously back in that uh, connection. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think McLaren are going to be the best of the rest. Uh, but it's going to be Red Bull and for and Mercedes up top. I think Ferrari still are going to be having a see where they go season. Really, even yeah. with the Leclerc there and everything. You know? I just don't think they've got the the development there as being being able to push it. They just don't seem to be. Uh, the thing it's a year or two down. I think they're looking. Everyone sort of it's kind of the one where they did the sort of the shuddering on the testing with COVID last year to keep costs down. So I think that everyone's sort of focused on next year when they make the changes again to go back to that to see where the racing actually happens. So that's where I think most of the things are going. But it'll be nice to see them back on the track again going round. Um, it was, say, that uh, in Bahrain, the cars were running unrestricted, so there was a lot more spins than usual. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's good to see. It's good to see everyone back racing it and seeing it all up and going. And then also some of my friends were out there filming it. They were doing the filming of the, so the beauty shots that you'll see at the start where they're coming in the V formation that was filmed by some of my friends. Also, one of my most recent podcast guests, uh, Lauren Helston, was out there and he was the one doing that filming. So if you're, anyone's interested to hear about that, they can always tune into his podcast from last week. Mm. 
Hey, uh, yeah, James, Lauren, so you, you're, Lauren you're... Does a bunch of videos for us too, for GT channel. So go mm. check it out. Hey, James, uh, so question is, it seems like your preseason, your preseason pick is Mercedes, correct? Yes. What is, who is your pick for like, uh, the, the biggest surprise or the, you know, the, um, the, you know, the, well, I guess the biggest surprise are the, the best performers, you know, the, the, when you think about, you know, not the front runners. I'd like to see, Cinderella. Uh, I'd like to see, uh, McLaren do well. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I like Daniel Ricciardo. So I'd like to see him do well. Um, he's fun. He brings some thing. And then some of the young kids he's that are coming through. Yeah. Good. Some of the young kids coming through. So I'd like to see obviously George Russell do well again. Um, see him, but, and obviously to be fair, and realistically, I just like to see more close races. Is where I like to see where yeah, there's people. I don't like Even to see Lewis it. Hamilton saying, you know, he'd be bored if he was watching Formula One these days. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's some races where it truly, I mean, where it's just so difficult to overtake, and if the only overtaking happens in the pits, then it's like, it's it's kind of what's the point? Um, I know yeah, they try and say they make the closing the they make the try to make it closer every year, and of course they do the rules, but as uh, Chip suggest there's only like one person maybe doing the rules, but then you've got a whole team of engineers trying to break those rules and go faster. So, I mean, it's just, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, but I'm looking forward to it. That's what I will say about that. It'd be nice to see him come out again. Mm, Okay. Well, I, I, if you're picking Mercedes, it's going to be hard for me to say otherwise, but I would like to see um, uh, McLaren as as well, do well. It doesn't look like Haas is going to be that competitive, but I'd like to see them kind of, you know, surprise people and do well. And of course, you know, Ferrari would be well, I oh, think a good a good Ferrari team always makes Formula One intriguing. So I will say that I think Haas are definitely going to be the strongest team this season because they will be holding up the rest of them at the bottom of the oh, okay. um, of the standings, unfortunately. Yeah. But Gunter over there will be good. He's always good for a quote or two. Um, so that should be fun. Um, but yeah, like I said, it would just be good to see all the teams go at it and see where it ends up and see if we can get some racing there. That's right. what we'll be missing. Well, I just like to see someone really get on Lewis. Uh, you know, I mean, just really challenge him. him. You know, like uh, where Senna came up and Senna, you know, challenged pros when, you know, um, Mansell. You know, you, you when you have a really good good personalities vying for the top, it's, lately it's just been too much Hamilton, you know? I mean, it's just been so dominant, you know, so. Well, when you're the best, Sam. You're the best. If he, if he had Sam Matani racing against him, maybe he could be challenged. But oh, with Sam Matani not behind be the wheel, oh man, I would block him and I would do all. I would revert to <laughs> resort to all my dirty tricks, man. To, to be fair though, Sam, <laughs> let's be honest here. I don't know I if you'd be able to fit. Out, though, you know? Look, we'll just be honest. I think the, the hardest part for you will be getting inside that cockpit. Let's be honest. Uh, right now, yeah, I'm a little, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, I think I could fit, but I, I would probably need a new seat, you know, or or take out the seat. I think I could fit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tara, what about you? Have you got anything this week? No, I don't have anything. Um, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting to Sam's segment here. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll take it away then, huh, James? Yeah. Oh, I'll take share it. the screen for you to make it easy. Okay. Well, you, oh, okay. But you already went before my grand introduction. You already jumped in. <laughs> I could cued you. A little better so you could have anyway, said you could have cued me a lot of better let me describe what i'm gonna do right now is uh it's kind of off season for a ninja otakus they're at the uh hot springs kind of relaxing because it's a uh, kind of in between um um, um, um car, uh, developmental stages for these car companies so there's no you know a lot of the stuff we've broke broken already um you know r35 r36 skyline stuff it, 
8.6, the BRZ, new one BRZ came out. We have uh, the Yaris and all those, you know, possible Celica, um, um, a new one coming out from Toyota Subaru. So um, I thought we would use this time off for the Ninja Otakus to go over what I consider the 50, uh, the top 50 Japanese enthusiast cars of all time. So um, I went, I ranked them from one through 50 and these are in, in their order. So I know I'm gonna have a lot of, I saw you yawning, James. I know, yep. I know I'm, I'm waiting for you to get to it, Sam. We've had this up for two minutes now. Come on, let's, uh, well, let's, let's, know, let's get the bus. There, I know Move the bus. Be, I know there's gonna be some controversy, but this is my list. And if your car doesn't make the list, then I'm sorry, it just didn't have what it takes. So without further ado, let's, uh, hold on. Let's start with number, uh, hold on. Number 50, Sam, the one that's on screen. Should we start with that? Is that what should start, start, Sam? 50, yes. So number 50, the Toyota Celica. This is the first gen Celica. So the Toyota Celica was born in 1970 with this model. Uh, it was only offered as a two-door. Uh, uh, this a, this hatchback is that we are talking about? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that later. It says so coupe. This was a, this was a uh, as all Celicas uh, offered as a two-door. Represented the first sporty mass market car from the company to be marketed in the U.S. And unlike the Celica of today, this car was rear-wheel drive, and this one was a fastback. Uh, the hatchback design came later. Hatchback, okay, where it has a hatch. Okay. What you you mean this the Celica liftback? It's still a hatch. Okay. No, it's a liftback. So they're two hatch. different things. A, no, no, they really aren't. They really aren't. Okay. So. Well, I mean, we could talk to the OEM about this, Sam. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, well, it depends. There's on two ways OEM to look talking. at it, Sam. There's the right uh, okay, way, which is it's a liftback. Okay, 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 okay and your way. Okay, you're going off in the tangent here. Let's let's stay in, let's stay focused. Okay, so this car was extremely lightweight. Uh, it was uh, it weighed in around two thousand pounds, twenty six hundred at its heaviest with uh, all the options put in. Uh, under the hood were a variety of engines, came with a 1.4 liter inline four all the way up to a 2.2 liter inline four that uh, became known as the 2200 GT or 2200 GT, which is one of the famous uh, Celicas of this model. Uh, and as you guys all know, this car began a long line of Celicas that continued all the way to 2006 when uh, Toyota pulled the plug on it. So, but, you know, we do hear that it might be making a comeback at some point. So um, this car, the Celica, and I think everyone, if they've never owned a Celica, I think they've known people who owned a Celica. So let me ask you, Taro, have you owned a Celica or have you known anyone who owned a Celica? Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, know. you yeah. too, James? Even though you yes. grew up in Britain. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a very historic model. And uh, this is the one that started it all. And... Oh, by the way, yeah, this was rear-wheel drive. So, you know, to me, this belongs in uh, one of the top 50 enthusiast cars and barely made it at number 50. So there you have it. The number 50, the Toyota Celica Coupe. Um, this car uh, was the first um, uh, sports car that Toyota released in, the, in North America, right? Well, that, yeah, well, yeah, the mass marketed one, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, because you know, like the 2000 GT, which was only marketed in Japan, you know, mm -hmm. you know, was they made that before, you know, they had the Yotahachi, right? The 800, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah. so this, yeah, so so this one was the one that uh was mass marketed and marketed here in the US also, yeah. I think the 
you know, they had different trims, right? Obviously. And yeah, so, a lot of trims, a lot, yeah, of, trims, a lot, of, trims, a lot of engines. So I think the GT so, yeah. was the only one that had the, uh, you know, in, you know, in Japan, they had even more trims and more versions. Uh, but in this case, I think um, the GT here had the same um, engine like uh, that uh, they did in Japan. So they didn't get like a watered down version. Um, I mean, they can't water down, you know, it's a 2.2 liter. I mean, it's yeah, 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 yeah. 2.2 liter in life. Yeah, but they right. could, I mean, there was like 1.6, you know, I think yeah, a two yeah. liter, the two, I think two they, I think they their, started with a 1.4, actually. I think they had a 1.4. They did, yes, yes, yeah. 1.4. Started, start, the, the smallest engine had was a 1.4 liter. But you yeah. got to remember, this was back in 1970, so, you know. Exactly, so, and yeah. Toyota was, you know, barely, like, you know, they were, yeah. they were made fun of remember, because it, it couldn't right. go fast enough to get on the freeway. So Right. And you have to remember, you know, they, they started uh, thinking, you know, making these 40 cars and bringing them to the U.S. because the Mustang in 1964 or uh, 5 and then the Z in 1969, 70, yeah, yeah. you know, made their appearance. So, you know, this this was their Holy first car. response to, yeah, mm -hmm. first response to the kind of the sports car uh, birth in the U.S., you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I like it. I, 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 uh, very Celicas historic. are one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're great cars. And, and some people go, well, Celicas, you know, they're not really sporty, but you know, this one was rear wheel drive, and you know, and it's I I, I like I love the body style. So mm -hmm. yeah, so, I like it. Okay, so that was number fifty. I think it's a so, good choice. Let's thank you, thank you. Okay, you don't want to talk to me about it, Sam? You just want to skip over me because it's uh it's not a hatchback. Is that the whole point? Is this what it is? Uh, yeah, actually, that was the reason. But go ahead, James. I mean, of course, I, we need to hear your opinion. I, I really do like this car. I like the mini Mustang, the little pony car. I think the styling on it's exceptional. I was unaware that um, in Japan, in the top trim of which Tara's mentions many, many trims, this featured a Porsche gearbox inside of it, five speed, um, which the US market did not get. No. But I think this car is begging for a company to resto mod it and put a small Toyota engine in it inside. Uh, put some modern suspension on, and I think it'd be a great little car. I think it'd be fantastic if someone did that. If you put like a, a an older Corolla engine, if you wanted to go with the four AGE. Oh, you mean top. in this body? You're saying? Yeah, oh, definitely, okay. definitely oh, okay. in this body. Put the four AGE black top in. Uh, <laughs> it'd be fantastic. Carl. If you want, if you wanted to go crazy, I mean, they've got a Gazoo Racing 1.3 liter engine you wow. can put inside of it. It, it would um, probably fit in there too. You know, that's that what I mean. 200, good, yeah. 270 horsepower. It'd be wonderful. Put some modern wheels, modern brakes on, some modern suspension. Winner. All right, Carl, talk yeah. to your Built by Legends people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We have the oh. Nissan R32 GTR. Right. Okay, so that Civic is number Nick, 50. So we need a Toyota. Yeah. Yep. That is number 50. Since I have to cover five cars here, we'll go to the second one, right. which is number 49. And coming in at number 49 is a car I think a lot of you guys might remember, the Honda CRZ. So uh, a lot of people, including me, okay, I tend to agree this with this, is that the Honda CRZ was a car ahead of its time. Uh, it's pretty much the first mass market hybrid sporty coupe in the world. So to me, you know, and now you see all these, you know, sporty EVs and hybrids. It's, you know, it's... It, it, I think it was the pioneer uh, being introduced back in 2010. So that's 11 years ago. And what this car did was took all the charms of the immensely popular CRX, a car that was, you know, my generation, mm -hmm. but it was really popular, uh, including its compact hatchback design. And uh, 
what they did is they threw in a clean and lean burning high, hybrid power plant, uh, Honda's power plant, I think which they also used in the Insight. I'm not sure. They might be. I wonder why they stopped making this car. Well, they, they just weren't selling enough of them, you know? Yeah, I think it's uh, in the US, this, <clears throat> In the US, you know, we, we had it as a pure two-seater, but in other markets, the car was marketed as a two plus two. Uh, power in the first models came from a 1.5 liter inline four that was mated to an electric motor. Uh, <clears throat> at total 121 horsepower, those are the first models. Uh, in 2013, the US uh, CRZs, <coughs> excuse me, had a more powerful setup with a 130 horsepower. And what's amazing about the CRZ is despite it being a hybrid, it came with a traditional manual gearbox. Did you did you race the uh, the spoon CRZ at uh, Thunderhill, Sam? No, I did not. I, I you didn't do that. Civics. Huh? Oh, okay, yeah. So maybe it was before the Civics when they came out. They came out one year with the CRZ. It did in no, 2010, Tara. Oh yeah, okay, really? So that and, the, and it, the, so the had a, it came out. Yeah, and it was 175 horsepower, and that's where I think they missed the mark with this car in not having that car so as top as a halo version. I think yeah. that there was just too much of a drop off in the performance between this market and this is a sports car and being in the horsepower level being where it is, unfortunately. Yeah, 130 horsepower is not that much. Yeah, and, that's an But, but uh, that's it. The car <laughs> did get about 35 miles per gallon, which was pretty impressive for a sporty car. So uh, the car, yeah, the car uh, was introduced in 2010, but it uh, production ended in 2016, which is only five years ago. So, but you can, you know, you can arguably say that this car led the way to the uh, current Acura NSX, you know, another hybrid car. And uh, to tell you the truth, I would love to see Honda bring back the CRZ in a new, um, in a new form and, and uh, have it available again, because with the technology today and everything, I think uh, they can make a pretty impressive car. So uh, I'm going to go to James first the... for the comments of the CRZ. Yeah. What? Well, no, I was gonna, just going to say, I, I don't think it had the performance chops. Not back and they then. Were, and they were really targeting, you know, No, but, you know, yeah, but you know what? It was sporty. Target. I mean, yeah, it wasn't fast, you know, and uh, it's you know, <laughs> it handled okay. But, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's still, it's, it was still, a, you know, it was a great idea, I think, you know, so. It was well, a go good ahead, James. What do you think? No, it was, it was good. I, I think like, I just think it just missed the mark of just not having enough power. I think if they'd had that 175 horsepower halo version from the outset, it would have sold better. I mean, obviously yeah. Busy Moto did his very famous 500 plus horsepower version of it, take on it, um, which maybe seems a little bit excessive for me, for example, for driving it on the daily. But mm -hmm. I, they, they did come out with the supercharger, I think, mm -hmm. uh, towards the end of the life of the vehicle that it'd have to be on by a Honda Performance Division, so it'd have to be installed at a dealer. Um, mm. But I think by then, uh, you've lost the market because it was, I think it was like 2014, 2015 was that was coming in. The car's five years old at that point, yeah. and it sort of missed its, its nexus of when it was hip and cool. I mean, it's a good-looking design. It's light. Um, I don't know if they'd be able to keep that size now. If they're looking to design, I think it'd get much bigger and much wider and heavier. Um, as well, things I'm went thinking through. a Honda CRZ electric, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, but I, I think it's going to get bigger and heavier, like all the cars do. Yeah, so it's sort of, right. I mean, you meant to put this like to the CRX was meant to be what it was a rebirth of the CRX. It exactly. just, it just seemed, seemed to miss that mark for me because it didn't seem as sporty as that vehicle was at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. I think well, that's what they me, the sporty part was missing. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to market it as a, as a sports car, but. 
by making it hybrid, they literally you have to make some sacrifices. Yeah, plus uh, number forty nine on our list. So kind yeah. of, but that's it. It just was strange. They were able to do the one hundred and seventy five horsepower version. They were able to race, obviously make that, create that, but they're not able to sell it. At that right. point. Well, and mm -hmm. probably would have jacked the price up quite a bit too. So. They had uh, Mugen uh, versions I mean, I, too in Japan and stuff yeah. like that, but I don't know they England, yeah. that much either. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I do Mugen. recognize it as you know be, uh, a worthy effort of you know trying to come up with you know a first mass market sporty, a hybrid sporty coupe. So, uh, uh, props to Honda for trying, and uh, and it wasn't a bad car. I mean, I had a friend who owned one and he loved it. So now here's a question: Now, if they did not make it into a hybrid and just released it as a nat as a combustion engine you know crx X? revival yeah. as the crz i think that it would still be in production it might be you know and especially if that type r versions you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it might have been you know it's hard to say but but anyways the crz is number 49 on my top 50 japanese enthusiast car list we need and a of course, little jingle we need a little jingle yeah, for these. And of course, yeah, we should. You should have your guy make one. And of course, uh, you, you're not going to see cars like the Lexus LS, Infinity Qs, and, you know, those cars uh, in here because, the, you know, I, I do not consider them enthusiast cars. Those are more like sedans, and you're not going to see SUVs or minivans. So it's just enthusiast cars. That's what we like at GT Channel. And if you've got complaints, just hit up Sam on his Instagram or Sam at gtchannel.com. That's where you can all your challenges, questions, can go to him there. Okay, so going from, uh, just moving on, going to number 48. Uh, this is a car that's not very uh, uh, um, uh, familiar here, but it did have a, a, a quick sales run uh, here when Suzuki was actually uh, marketing cars here. But uh, this is primarily a JDM car, and it was sold only sold in the U.S. for a few years. However, the, har, the car has been continuously successful and popular in Japan and Europe. And, uh, you know, I've driven this thing. It's, uh, it's easy to understand why. Because when I was at road track, I thought at the time when I drove uh, that version, which is, I think it was a second generation version, whatever, that it was the most fun front wheel drive car around. And yes, this is front wheel drive. Um, the first uh, Suzuki Swift Sport was actually called the Swift RS. And it was introduced in Japan in 2005 with the first generation Suzuki Swift. And ever since we've had a, a Swift Sports, um, I think it's even won Japan's car of the year a couple of times. So uh, this picture is the latest 2020 model, 2020, 2021 model. And it's uh, largely based on the third generation Swift, which was introduced in 2017. Uh, this particular car comes powered by a 1.4 inline four that produces 140 horsepower. And it's, yeah, not that fast. It only goes to 60 miles in about seven seconds, but uh, the car's forte is handling and it's nimbleness. It's really small. It might be hard to see on in, in these photos, but uh, despite being front wheel drive, man, this thing is really sharp and really fun to drive. The steering is really quick. And uh, when I took it on the twisties, uh, uh, just, uh, it, was, it was a load of fun, believe it or not, with a, a front wheel drive. When was this? Was it this? Uh, no, no, it wasn't this one. It was, uh, it was probably back uh, on the second generation. So, mm. so this is a hot hatch. I would say this is, this is yeah, this only is, a this hot is hatch. A, this, this, is what hot this is what I consider a hatchback. Yes, this is a hatchback. I know, Sam. So, Sam, um, Suzuki Swift, they also have like uh, that 
sedan version too, don't they? Uh, they used to. I don't know if they do for the new one. I mean, the one that sells the most is the hatchback version. You know, is the hatchback? Yeah, because yeah, I remember yeah, there's yeah. a. Swift. You know, it's not it's not a great looking car, but you know, there's also that Swift. Oh, uh, this, oh, uh, oh, you mean this? This is a good looking car. This is nice. Yeah, but they yeah. have the Suzuki Swift. You know, the sedan version, which is not very flattering. No, no, yeah, the Swift hatchback is the, is, and this is definitely I would consider a hot hatch, and it's a lot smaller than like you know the CRZ we just saw. It's smaller mm -hmm. than even the CRZ. It's it's a small car, but it's not quite K car size. It's yeah. a little bigger than a K car, so so it's right around there. And uh, and uh, the Swift actually, you know, to 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 kind of um, back up its claim as a sporty car, uh, the Swift Sport uh, uh, shined in a under two liter class in rallying. It was a really good rally car, the, uh, the race car version. In 2007 and 2010, it won the JWRC, the uh, Japan World Rally Championship in the uh, 1600 rally class and finished in the top three there from 2006 to 2010. So it was pretty dominant in uh, Japan's rallying um, world. And uh, the car, as you see it, it's priced right around twenty thousand bucks. So it's still it's, it's still a pretty good deal. I mean, it is a small car, but um, it's it, it is a whole lot of fun, and thus it makes it into the top fifty of my uh, top Japanese enthusiast cars. Uh, either one, who any? I, I think these these are pretty popular in Europe too, right? In England. Uh, look, yeah. I mean, I, I remember my first time having one. I got one as a rental car back in 2006 stroke 2007 in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, it was blue. Loved it. Absolutely fan. It was obviously it the base model. It wasn't the, the sport sport version. Oh, it wasn't the sport? Okay. The no, but it, better, so. Yeah, exactly. But I love the car. I mean, I really like the styling. I think they've hit the styling out of the park and the little sl slight changes over the years has been fantastic. The fact the sport version comes with Recaro's is optional great idea um i think they did like back a few years ago they did like a concept version that they launched in australia they did, they did yes um and i really really like that one in particular i think that's fantastic i think it puts the horsepower up a little higher to like say 160 or so and i thought that was a really good looking car i mean i really really like the suzuki swift sport i'm all in on this one carl yeah same um i had a uh rental car actually once um, just, you know, happened, I didn't, you know, designate it or anything. And they just handed me a, a, a Suzuki Swift rent-a-car. And I was really, you know, surprised how, how well it handled. And it was like, you know, kind of- uh, well, If you think that is good, the Swift score is just in, in, in its own I'm world sure altogether. It so yeah, you guys yeah, would yeah. love it. You guys yeah, would even, love it. Even the rental was like great. Um, but it wasn't was, a sport, was it? No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. yeah the, the Swift sport, I mean, it's got different suspension everything it's 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 a whole lot of fun and I, and anyone who goes to japan or europe or wherever if you guys have a chance to get in one yeah please do uh i don't think it, it will ever well suzuki is not in the market in the u.s right now but i mean the car is a little small for the u.s you know market i think but yeah uh, they have the great car, commercials you know? they have the great commercials in japan of the suzuki swift they're they're really famous for doing like these uh these tricks um mm performances like one going forward and going backwards and like driving uh next to each other um you know all these like formational things that they do they've always done that with the uh, suzuki swift so. see if we were in japan right now this car has such a following that i would probably get a lot of crap for people saying 48 that's way too low for this car you know but <laughs> since it's not being marketed in the 
U.S. I don't have to read too much about that. So and so, so. did they sell this too in the states? Yes. For a while? It, oh, they did in the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think up to the second generation version. You know. So, um, but yeah, the, the the Swift. I think. Well, I, I don't know if the Swift was canceled before Suzuki decided to leave the U.S. market or right at the same time. But yeah, it's yeah. You're not going to see one here for. Oh no, I I meant the Swift Sport. Was it a sport? Was yeah. It yes, yes, yes. It was here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this sport. Yeah. Not this one, of course. This one was just introduced. So. The, the, yeah, this is a new one. Yeah. So this is number 48 on my top 50. So let's move it on. Number 47 is a car that uh, everyone should be pretty uh, familiar with because it is uh, marketed in the US and it is the Lexus RCF. Um, it's one of my favorite Lexus models out there. And uh, I once borrowed an RC350, not the F, but the RC350 that I drove up to Monterey. And it was just such a great touring car that I really seriously decided or considered buying one. You know, right? I go, this is really smooth. It was really good. And then uh, after that, in Japan, I drove an RCF on the racetrack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that car just blew me away. It was just, uh, yeah, it felt a little heavy, but man, the raw power and the, the, the just the, the taut handling, it was it was awesome. And I, I drove it at the Fuji Speedway racetrack, so which was appropriate because the F in RCF stands for Fuji. Uh, Lexus is a, um, a high performance brand. So uh, this uh, the RCF was introduced in 2014 and it came and still, still does with a naturally aspirated uh, five liter V8 uh, that pumped out 467 horsepower and made it to an Ishing eight speed automatic gearbox with you know manual uh, shift capabilities. Uh, this car, the RCF version, features state-of-the-art aerodynamics, as well as a lot of weight-saving parts, including a lot of carbon fiber stuff in there. Uh, in 2019, Lexus introduced the track package. I think this is the one you see in this picture. For those who want a little bit more performance from this uh, from the sports car, which it delivered plenty, by the way. Uh, the track package car weighed 80 pounds less than the standard RCF, so it was quite a bit quicker, and it had a little bit more power too, I think. Um, as its name suggests, uh, the track package was made for the racetrack, and you know we considered it kind of a, it as an offspring of Toyota's GT500 entry in the Super GT series, where the RCF race car won the uh, title in 2016, so that wasn't that long ago. So. And this car is still being sold today. And uh, gosh, it's a it's it's and it's nice to have something naturally aspirated, you know, instead of turbocharged these days because you know a lot of uh, a lot of cars have gone to uh, the turbocharger because of fuel saving and all that. But um, this car ranks, comes in at Why number forty-seven. So go ahead and comment. Why didn't you buy it? Why didn't you buy it? Them. Why, why did you why not buy it? Why did you spit in their faces and say no? And you threw them away at the dealership? Uh, because uh, my stocks went down that, that week. <laughs> why didn't you just wait till next week? Your Bitcoin? Uh, uh, they didn't come back for another couple months. So. So. But why didn't he come in, in the month then, Sam? Hey, why why didn't he come you, back uh, in the month? How about, how about some questions on the car? Let's focus on the car, James. Well, as as a buyer, you know. Yeah, as like a buyer, know, what turned you why, off about this car, Sam? Why did you... Off. Well, why did you? Why did you buy the other car then? I said I seriously considered buying. I didn't. Well, yeah. So what? Why did you go with the other vehicle then? I just, I just had bought a new car at the time, so I'm not going to tell you what car that was. Was it one that was not a Lexus then, Sam? Is that what you're telling us? Hey, any comments on the car, guys? 
well, you you told us everything about the car. We just want to know why you didn't buy this car. That's what that's, that's what the listeners are telling me in my it, ear right so now. Let me tell you something. It's still it's still for sale. Who knows? I might I might still buy. I don't know. It is. It is. Okay, so um, I think I went on a press trip. Um, did they do uh, um, what's that track out in New York? Uh, Mon 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 Monticello. Monticello. Yeah. Or Montecito, Monticello, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, I think they did an event out there once. <laughs> I and love that I track. It's a little yeah, It was track. a really fun track. And um, they, I, I believe it was the RCF. Can't remember. Um, but I got to drive this uh, car on the track. I and um, Did you spin it, it, Tara, like you did the other, the Supra? Always. 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 Yeah, I mean, always. I, that's why they say, oh, Tara's coming up, better get everyone off track. And then he spins Taro it. Off track, Koki is, is uh, you know, that's why I drive a, <laughs> a forerunner. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. I remember uh, driving this car. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, I, I had a really great time um, out, out on the track. Um, it's, yeah, it's a uh, perfect, you know, it luxury is. sports car to me. Yeah, yeah. it is, you know, yeah. and it was super comfortable driving uh, up to the track as well. I mean, it's beautiful countryside, um, even from the hotel to the track. Um, and I remember it was like, you know, once we once you get on the track, you know, you 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 uh, set the set the settings to sports, and then uh, you know it handles really really great you know as, as a track car as well i wish i had this car too yeah yeah well to tell you the truth at, at the time i mean a two two-door coupe you know was a little small for me because i had family and all that so that was one of the reasons i i didn't make i, I had I family so. well i does he have a family he had what happened to them just, just james please go ahead <laughs> Sorry, wasn't me. No, 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 please, James. I'd like to hear your opinions on this car. If you have well, obviously, obviously memories we talk, or anything. Well, so I've had the chance to obviously get behind the wheel of one of these as a loner. Um, I I really do enjoy the RCF. It's a it's a good looking car. It is a great sounding car with that five yes. liter V8 that it has in it, which makes it fantastic. Obviously, the build quality is exceptional. Um, and in fact, I have a Lexus RCF Fuji edition lined up for the first week of April that I'll be spending some oh, time. Nice. So we'll be able to get some feedback in that in a few weeks for, for a new while car, we're still on the list. New version. Awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Good. So that's the, the one with the carbon fiber bits and things like that. Oh, so that should be a lot of fun. But what I really, really like about the RCF is how much racing it's done. Obviously, not just right. in, the, in Japan, but here in the US and in Europe. I mean, mm -hmm. it has spent a lot of time on the racetrack, and I think that's why I like this car so much is because of its racing pedigree. And what does the RC stand for? Race car? Ooh, Sam? Probably. Sounds sounds right, right? Because, well, LS, luxury sedan, let's say RC, race car. No. Uh, it's not, LC, radio, luxury it's not radio control, as Chip would no. say. No, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that I think that would be a good guess. It probably sounds, right. it probably stands for something else. I'll bet you it does, you know, if you take a look at it, because you know, uh, Japan likes playing word salad with English, you know. So here so comes anyways, Sam. Detective Sam on the case is gonna find out what the yeah, RCF stands up, for. But, uh I can't what find it, it quick enough, but yeah. So no. I'm gonna just move over to my move on to my the final car uh in my uh uh top fifty, and it's this car. And some of you guys might go, What the heck is that? So uh, and I didn't expect two front-wheel drive cars to be featured in the same segment, but this Mitsubishi FTO is one of my favorite JDM Mitsubishis ever. Uh, when I first saw the car, I thought it was an Alfa Romeo or something, you know, or some other Italian sports car because the styling is just so curvy, curvy and sexy. I really loved it. 
and it was you know you know simple beauty to me you know uh, and this car was can offered. I, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. What? RCF stands for. Oh. oh, RC stands for radical coupe. Ah, okay, radical. I knew it was. It could have been something else. So. Oh, Ricasu, yeah. I think it is. Huh? That's what I, I'm, I'm not the intending. Is that right, Tara? Am I wrong again? Ricasu. Yeah. That? Well, that I think is what it is in Japanese. Oh, my pronunciation is probably off. Radical coupe in Japanese is radikaru coupe. <laughs> oh, there we go. See. <laughs> okay. All right. Shall I return okay. to? I Back feel bad for Mitsubishi, so I'm going to start over. Number forty-six. Yes, no, no. please. Okay. All right. So number forty-six uh, on my list, and the last to be featured today, is the Mitsubishi FTO, one of my favorite JDM Mitsubishi's ever. Uh, as I said before, when I first saw the. I thought it was an Alfa Romeo or something Italian, just because of the styling was so simple and sexy. Uh, this car was offered to the Japanese market from uh, 1994 to 2000, never marketed in the US, uh, which is, I think it's a real pity. Uh, but then again, North America, uh, at about that time, the Eclipse, uh, like the Eclipse GS and the Eclipse GSX was very popular here. And that was about, that was their kind of go-to um, sports coupe. So uh, and the Eclipse was a little bigger, so the FTO was pretty small, would, would have been maybe a little too small for the U.S. market. But to be honest, um, uh, uh, this attractive coupe uh, came powered by uh, one of my favorite engines of all time from Mitsubishi, and it's a two-liter V6. Uh, not an inline four, a two-liter V6, a really small little V6, which to produce the torquey 200 horsepower on this small little car. So this thing kind of went like a rocket. It was, uh, but it was front wheel drive. And uh, yeah, I drove one in Japan and I remember it having some torques here, uh, but you know, that's what you're gonna get when you get that much torque, uh, just, you know, going through the front wheels. Uh, but man, it was fun to drive. It was nimble, it was quick, uh, had pretty good handling, uh, despite, you know, a little understeer because it was front wheel drive. And I remember driving it through Hakone Hakone, uh, the skyline, you know, the pop, the really uh, famous uh, um, twisty mountain road toge there over. Right Did there. you go get a, a black egg? Is that at the end of it all, Sam? Oh, uh, no, I don't. I didn't. No. I, I just get the regular lunch. There. But so at, the <laughs> car was sold at this time for about 22,000 bucks in Japan. And it was a pretty good deal, maybe a little pricey for a car this big. But uh, uh, the styling was what really made this car, you know, stand out. And uh, it's not often that you have a car, you know, built by Mitsubishi, which, which was more known to, you know, for the Evos and, you know, the Gallants of that era. Uh, to Didn't come this up with car this. win a car of the year? Sports coupe. Uh, I think it years? won a car of the year the first year it came out. Yeah. Right, Japan car yeah, of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it won it in a few in England as well, as well, once oh, or twice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think in 94, 95, it did win uh, Japan's car of the year. And, uh, you know, if you, if you see one in person, you just kind of do a double take and go, wow, that is, that's a pretty car. And, you know, you could tell by this uh, uh, photo that it is, it has a hatch back, uh, which I think you would call it a lift back, but whatever. But anyways. Um, I'd call it a two-door two sports coupe is what I'd call it, Sam. No, they're, they're all two-door sports coupes. So, you know, so, I mean, the Lexus was a two-door sports coupe. So. So anyways, this car, number 46, uh, the Mitsubishi FTO, uh, makes it into the top 50. And that will do it for this 
version of um, it's uh, legal to import now because uh it's oh passed, that's right yeah. uh, 25 years so if uh, someone wants to buy it maybe top rank can get it yeah maybe talk to top rank <laughs> about it so and, and the then, gp the gpx version i think was the one you wanted to get because that had that v6, uh, v6 yeah, yep. yeah exactly yeah exactly, yeah. yeah that and would be I, a cool one to have here in the states i remember this car obviously from gran turismo and you could import them into australia and new zealand much earlier where mm -hmm. they won't sell there so it was a i mean i think it's an attractive looking car and i used to enjoy driving it in gran turismo awesome uh, the <laughs> gran turismo uh, um uh, so well that's 50 to 46 so in the next segment and depending on how popular this one is and depending on if anyone wants to know where their favorite car comes in, I will go from number 45 to number 41, the next five uh, in a couple of weeks. So hopefully people look forward to it. Yeah, we need to add a little uh, something jingle? to this. Like, yeah, no, well, the jingle too, but you know, we, you, you know, we always usually have the thumbs up, thumbs down. We need to have a little something. Do we need to get this little pointing stick? Is that what's gonna happen? We're gonna, yeah. you're gonna send us all that pointing sticks? Well, the but pointing six are used well, you to know, you, you got to remember though, these are ranks so like number 50. It's you know, even though Celica we like, I mean, it's kind of low, you know, it's, it's number 50. Basically, know? Sam thinks it's terrible, sleek offense. He calls it a hatchback, and it's terrible. <laughs> well, what Sam's so, take so on there it, might be, there might be more Celica, uh, in the you know, the different version of Celica, different versions of Celicas, right? I mean, that yeah, was a 20 and the, the 30 in our list. So, mm -hmm. anyways, uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see when the when all 50 come up you know, we'll see where people agree and disagree, including you guys. So, uh, Hey, but, James, whatever happened to the Celica, um, the poll that we did with the uh, hatchback or not <laughs> online. I, I, I think that the, 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 I think the split was like 70, 30. I'm surprised so, I got 30, man. <laughs> I, I, exactly. I was very surprised by the, I, I think we should I have named 30. and shamed those people that gave 30% of the vote calling the Celica a hatchback well, when it's clearly not purists. a hatchback those are the purists like me okay those are the purists there's a few we can't see there. there we go we can't, we can't see can't see can't see can't no, see you disappear. just disappear do that okay yeah. anyways uh, yeah the poll was 31 to uh 69 percent uh yeah i got 31 i think i think three of those people with sam matani's various different instagram accounts as well so i think 10 percent of those me and, my, was me and my long, long extending family, you know. Yeah, you know exactly. who uh, said it was a uh, hatchback is uh, Justin, uh, our contributor on GD Channel. He said that thing is a hatch. There you hatchback. go. Well, you go. good man. Wait, there's, no, there's nothing way to say this, but Justin's wrong. But good, he's oh, a lovely man. guy. He is a lovely <laughs> he, guy, but he's wrong. wrong. Good man, Justin. Yeah. So it's, it's sure okay. You, you know, 30% of the people are wrong. 30% of the people are wrong. So, you know, like, yeah, three, well, whatever. Man. whatever. Two people, oh. two contributors to GT Channel are wrong. They could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It happens. it happens. All right. So, anyways, James, what do you want to plug? Uh, obviously, uh, you've already mentioned Lauren from last week is on the No Breaking podcast this week. We've got uh, noted builder and fabricator Riley Stair talking about his uh, move into building and creating vehicles uh, from BMX racing. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll probably know him from his 1,000 uh, horsepower, 10,000 RPM Trans Am that he built in his carport um, that is in version mm -hmm. 2.0 now. Um, and he's just looking on to see where he can take that and how fast he can go on it. So awesome. definitely please tune in. Awesome. Taro, anything awesome. you're plugging? Uh, yeah, just uh, subscribe to Pod Speed, please, and uh, our GT channel YouTube. And uh, we have a bunch of 
cool articles uh, and videos on gtchannel.com. So please visit. We also have a store where you can buy these uh, t-shirts, awesome. GT Channel t-shirts and all different kinds of design t-shirts. So um, yeah, yeah, support us, buy some swag. Okay. And as for me, I should have some really interesting and good news considering a second novel that'll be coming out. Uh, don't know yet for sure, but it looks really good. So uh, stay tuned for that. I was should it should be on the next uh, episode, so we should know. Mm. Oh, so next episode uh, we have Mr. John Sabal for our next episode in two weeks. So that should be noted. Sabal is a noted no breaking guest, an incredible automotive car designer, path designer, huge in the scene. Thank you, James. Not only that, he is an incredible comic book oh. artist. So you can awesome. go wherever you want to see and creates toys. Um, has got an RWB, uh, still keeps it original with his BMW. I mean, won a design competition with Dodge. I mean, you can go on and on about John. John, he's a great man. Sounds like we know who's going to lead the interview next week. Yeah, Taro? No, you can just listen to my podcast with him. I've done like two, oh, so it's fine. Oh, okay, we'll just read. Yeah. Re so I'll so I'll do the interview. Okay. Yeah, and make sure he asks all the questions. Exactly. And then, uh, if I miss anything, uh, James could uh, can bring them up. You, Sam, um, you just have to ask uh, John to talk about the secret chats on the private RWB forum. That's what you need okay. to talk to him I'll, about. I'll you need to get him to I'll answer questions and name names on those secret Facebook groups. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. Thank you All for right. joining us once again uh, for episode number 40. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Um, until then, pod speed. Peace out. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye.